0: Welcome back to the We Know Ball podcast. I am your host, Jasper Lindsay. Join with me as always is Gavin Bowman. And Gavin, how are we feeling heading into the weekend? I'm ready for the weekend to get here, man. <laughs> it's only Thursday and I feel like I'm deprived of
1: football, especially considering the caliber of game that we have on the NFL schedule tonight, which isn't even
0: worth watching in my opinion. Absolutely, um, and I'm just excited. I think we get Maxion back soon, and we get some Sunbelt Wednesdays going here. So we'll we'll have a little more football in our lives going forward. I'm not. Yeah, that. I was
1: I was checking out the the Gamecocks over there at Jacksonville State. Rich Rodriguez and company playing last night against Middle Tennessee. Maxion midweek football. I'm here for it.
0: Oh yeah. Jumping to the agenda for today, we got a huge weekend in college football. It is obviously Red River Rivalry Week. So that's going to be huge. we got Texas versus Oklahoma. Who's going to come out on top? What are the implications for the CFP? A bunch of other huge games as well that might have flown under your radar, but we'll break them down as well as some segments. And, of course, we have picks as always. Over in the NFL, we got a very interesting slate, including the game of the week, if not the year, out in Santa Clara with the Cowboys taking on the Niners. But, yeah, we got to start in college football, obviously, because this is the weekend where it feels like we get all our answers.
1: Yeah, uh, there's a lot of games, a lot of top 25 matchups that have huge CFP implications. Obviously, starting with the Red River rivalry, the winner of that game is going to control their destiny, uh, looking to crack that top four. So let's hop into it, man. That game's at 11 a.m. too, so they waste no time just throwing that on the TV. I
0: don't know if there's anything more to say about this Longhorn squad for me. They look like the best team in the country. The offense is awesome. They rank top 25 in nearly every offensive category. Yours is the definition of a field general. He has a ton of weapons on offense. He knows how to use them. Jumping over to Oklahoma, though, Gavin, because this is where things get interesting, all right? Dylan Gabriel has proven to be one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the NCAA. They're currently averaging 509 total yards of offense per game, 47 points per game. They haven't allowed a rushing touchdown on defense. Opponents have only scored five total touchdowns against the Sooners all season, and they are averaging 8.5 points per game against opponents on the defensive side. Now, all that looks so impressive, right? It looks incredible. But here's who they've played this year. Arkansas State, SMU, Tulsa, Cincinnati, Iowa State. I don't want to use the word frauds this team because they are good, but who the hell have they played that makes me think these stats are as good as they say?
1: You must have read the notes straight off my screen (laughs) because – I agree with you in just about every word that came out of your mouth. There, There's there's not much else to say about this Texas team that the country doesn't already know. They went into Tuscaloosa and whopped Nick Saban's squad. Uh, they continued to win against the Kansas Jayhawks. Their offense is just loaded with NFL talent and wide receivers. Uh, the defense is killing it at the line of scrimmage. The O-line is leading this team to nearly six yards per carry without Bijan Robinson. I I have them as my number one team in the country far and away right now. And on the Oklahoma side of things, as you just said, this is not the Oklahoma team we got last year where the defense was uh, horrible, not even the worst and horrible, abysmal, a team that finished ninth in the Big 12, total 180. They are number one in the Big 12 in scoring defense. Number one in turnover margin. And on the offensive side of things, they're number one in scoring offense. They look great. But they haven't played anybody. <laughs> that, was, that was my big but. But I'll drop another but. I'm not too concerned about it. This game is going to be fucking awesome. Oklahoma is going to keep it close. They're not going to get blown out of the water. There is no talent gap that exists. Both teams are loaded with future NFL talent. I think Texas has been tested more and is therefore more ready for this game. They also have it at home, which is huge. Um, And they're coming off a 49-0 thumping of the Sooners last year. Texas is hungry. Oklahoma is equally hungry. This is a prove-a-game for both teams. As I said, the winner of this game controls their destiny to get to the college football playoff. These two teams, regardless of who wins, will probably meet again in the Big 12 championship in December. This is potentially the biggest Red River rivalry in, in the past decade. I mean, probably since those Colt McCoy, Sam Bradford teams back in the early 2010s. It's, it's huge for each head coach. Brent Venables coming off of a season where, you know, he's this brilliant defensive mind and he comes out and his team's giving up like damn near 50 points a game. He's totally flipped it around. This is a proven game for him. And then Steve Sarkeesian, I mean, he's had his fair share of personal battles, history of alcohol abuse, looking like a fool when he was the coach of the USC Trojans. Huge game for him. He's got this team playing great. He looks great as a head coach. I I, I couldn't be more pumped for this game, to be honest.
0: I'm right there with you. I think there is one talent gap that has caught my attention in this game, and that's just on the O-line. I mean... I think Texas has a real opportunity to beat up on this OU O-line. T- they've already given up 29 sacks without facing a true opponent, which really scares me. We're going to see if Dylan Gabriel is the same QB under pressure, and he's going to get constant pressure in this game. This Texas front is playing like it belongs in the SEC. And as much as I love Oklahoma, like, they obviously have a very talented team this year. I just don't think they have that phys- those physical dudes on the O-line and D-line yet. And that's not a problem of them not being good enough to take on Texas, but that's a problem of them not recruiting at the SEC level. Texas is a team right now that's built to transition to the SEC and compete year one. I think Oklahoma still has a way to go there. But I think, yeah, I think you're right. I think this game is going to be a back-and-forth shootout through and through. But what if it turns into just a defensive contest, a defensive slugfest? I mean, I don't know. There's just so many different angles we could take on this game, but it's going to be the most fun Red River rivalry in years.
1: Got to make sure we get all three R's in there. Yeah, again, you just take the words straight out of my mouth. Uh, Texas is going to win the line of scrimmage. They they are the more physical team there. They are the better team there. Oklahoma is going to try to establish a ground game. It's not going to work. It's going to come down to Dylan Gabriel and how well they can keep those chains moving. It can go either way. I can see a shootout. I can see a defensive battle, and. You know I'm all about the stats, and the numbers don't lie, and I don't really buy into the the heartfelt storylines that motivate some teams sometimes, but I can tell you one thing that I'm kind of buying into a little bit. Oklahoma's sick and tired of hearing how back Texas is. <laughs> like, If there's one team that wants to prove that Texas isn't back, it's the Sooners. Brent Venables is going to have these guys ready to go. And I'm I'm here for it, man. Just so pumped. I have no clue which way it's gonna go. I do know that Texas is the better team, but better teams don't always win. So tune into your TVs at eleven AM uh Central Time on Saturday and just watch some incredible football.
0: Especially in college football. I mean, I have no way this game's gonna swing either. This is one of those weekends in college football where it's so much fun, but I have no read on any team. I think this game is going to get a little chippy early. We could see a targeting call. Someone get thrown out, sway the tide. But, yeah, I I know Texas is the better team, like you said. We'll see what happens.
1: There will be a lot of back and forth. So I just don't know if it's going to be back and forth on offense or back and forth on defense, but it's going to be exciting either way.
0: Definitely. All right, LSU at Mizu. And, Gav, this game is screaming shootout to me.
1: <laughs> the Tigers versus the Tigers, it, it's going to be a shootout. <laughs> there's, there's no way around it. We we said last week for the LSU Ole Miss preview, Vegas didn't think there would be a lick of defense played in that one. They're seeing the same thing in this one. The over under set at sixty four and a half, and it, it it continues to climb. It might be at sixty six by kickoff, which is around where that Ole Miss line was. L- LSU's offense is the most it's it's the most efficient. It's the most explosive. It's it's the best in the SEC right now, and it's not particularly close as far as the numbers go. Missouri's not too far behind though. Uh they're they're getting it done particularly through the air. They haven't really been doing a whole lot on the ground. Uh but guess what? LSU's defense decides not to show up most weeks, especially in the secondary. So if you love points, tune into this game in Columbia, Missouri. I just think that LSU has way too much on offense for this Missouri team to keep up. Missouri's going to need to bring at least 40 points with them if they want to have a chance to win this football game because LSU was going to score 40. E- even though Missouri's at home, they don't have the defensive firepower to stop this team. Uh, the offense is great. Brady Cook looks phenomenal, very efficient, not turning the ball over at all. He has zero picks. But they don't have the explosiveness to keep up with the Tigers. The Tigers, sorry. The Tigers don't have the explosiveness to keep up with the Tigers down there in Baton Rouge. I got LSU in this one, in a close one. A close shootout, but LSU pulls away at the end.
0: I like it, but the more I look at this game, the more I talk myself into this Mizzou team, man. I mean, Brady Cook's averaging 304 yards a game through the air. That bodes well against a weak LSU secondary, which ranks 108th in pass defense. What a fall from grace. But... Yeah, I mean, Mizzou, like, the other thing for me with them is you mentioned their defensive firepower. These guys stop the run. They have the best run defense in the SEC, which, I mean, if you asked me that like a week ago, I would not have been able to tell you that. Only looked it up today. But I think a big reason that LSU was able to stay in that game with Ole Miss last week was their ability to run the football. They ran for 223 yards on the ground. They're not going to be able to do that this week. I think Mizzou is going to shut down the run, force Daniels to be a passer, which we saw he can do. But we also saw him make mistakes when he's been forced to be a passer, whether it's FSU, whether it's Ole Miss. Like, I just I think this LSUD is not playing well enough to stop Mizu right now. And I think you're right. This game is going to be a shootout. It's going to be a close one. I like the Tigers to cover that <laughs> spread.
1: What, what is it right now? Six and a half? Five and a half?
0: Six and a half. Around? Six, six.
1: Oh, I'm seeing it down to five and a half on on DraftKings. So people are.
0: I got it it yesterday when it was six, so we're chilling there.
1: (laughs) People people are liking Mizzou. You you do bring up a great point in Missouri's ability to stop the run. Uh, Not something that I considered in my analysis. It it, it, it could play a factor. You're absolutely right. And I could be very wrong. I just think LSU's got too much talent uh, at wide receiver. And I think Jaden Daniels has proven me wrong. Uh, I came out early in the season and said he was not a good thrower of the football. He's thrown for 400 plus each of the last three weeks. The explosiveness on that offense, I believe will be too much, but if they become one dimensional and cannot move the football on the ground, then I may be having to uh, come on this pod next week and just say flat out I was wrong. So we'll see. Bottom line is there will be points scored in this game. It's it's another great eleven AM game. So this this slate looks phenomenal for points and early action. So uh tune in to see some some firepower in the
0: SEC. Yeah, I think you're right. LSU's gonna take whatever they want through the air. It looks like Mizzou currently ranks 89th in pass defense. They're allowing two hundred and forty four yards a game. So Yeah, they're
1: they're neither team is good at defending the pass, but they're decent at the, defending the run. So this game's gonna turn into I wouldn't be surprised if each quarterback throws fifty plus passes in this game.
0: We'll see who stops the run. I think that's what it's really going to come down to. Uh All right. Jumping into the SEC matchup that feels like it might decide the West this weekend, and that is the Alabama Crimson Tide and the Texas Aggies battling it out in College Station. Gab, I know you just have a million things to say about this game, so just get right after it. (laughs) I love this game.
1: And this game probably will decide the West with uh, LSU looking like they will probably lose at least another game and fall out of contention there. And each of these teams with zero losses in the SEC play right now, I'm starting to buy back into Bama again, Jasper, and maybe I'm I'm, you know, digging my own grave with that one, but. I think they really have found their identity in the last couple of weeks. This defense is starting to play like they're taking that Texas game personally. Uh, Quinn Ewers did whatever he wanted in that game. And I mean whatever he wanted. But since then, they've looked phenomenal. Held an Ole Miss team to only 10 points two weeks ago. uh, A team that made the LSU defense look like they were playing against a fucking practice squad out there. And then Mississippi State, while they are by no means an offensive powerhouse, they hold them under 270 yards. Something to be proud of. A&M hasn't faced defense like this. They played Auburn, which is a defense that's getting better. But, you know, this Bama defense is a lot, a lot better than anything they've seen. This Bama pass rush is stepping up. The secondary is looking better. And Milrow is starting to take care of the football. The key to this game for the Aggies... Is stopping the Bama running attack. If you can force the Bama offense to become one dimensional and force Jalen Milro to throw the football, Texas AM is going to have a great opportunity to win this ball game and win it easily, in my opinion, because they will move the ball a little bit on this Bama defense, but they're not going to do it enough to keep up with Bama if the offense is clicking on all cylinders, like I expect it to be for the most part. I got Bama in a close one in this one. However, I don't expect a whole lot of points to be scored. I expect a defensive slugfest, uh, considering the Aggies actually have the number one scoring defense in the SEC right now. Both coaches are going to have their squads ready to go on the defensive side of the football. It's going to come down to who makes the big play in the second half and who holds on to the football.
0: I got to admit something, Gavin. I was coming into this podcast ready to give out Texas A&M Moneyline as one of my picks. Had to reroute after I looked into this game a little more. I'm right there with you. The big story for me is can Alabama come in on the road in a hostile environment and win this game with the offensive game plan they've been running the past few weeks? We know they're definitely not going to be able to throw the ball. Texas a boasts ninth best pass defense in the NCAA. For Bama, you're right. This game is going to be about can they out-physical the Aggies? Can they out-physical this defensive front? There was ever a game for this Aggies, five stars, five star D-line to kick it into gear. This is it. But they gotta feed off the crowd and they gotta protect the football. I mean, the only reason Arkansas hung around that game last week was the three turnovers committed by the Aggie offense. Do not give Alabama the opportunity to get extra cracks at the reds in the end zone. This is a proven game for the Aggies. I like to make a statement, like you said, but I also like Alabama to continue and to improve week in, week out. I want the Aggies to win this game. I really do. I love this Aggie team. You love this Aggie team. Max Johnson looks like a very good quarterback through his first two weeks running this offense. But as you said, man, I mean, Alabama, they took some serious disrespect in that loss to Texas. I think this game is going to be a slugfest, like you said. It's just going to be more fun football, man. This feels like the Red River Rivalry 2.0. Almost,
1: Yeah. Except I, I think I know what we're, we're going to get in this one. Uh, it, it's it's going to be a defensive battle. This AM team, they team, they're decent against the pass. They're even better against the run. They only give up 2.9 yards per carry. That is second in the SEC, only behind Kentucky, who we know is dominant against the run, as we saw this past weekend, against the Florida Gators. So they're going to need to rely on that run defense because we know how Alabama is going to want to attack them, and it's on the ground. You said, it, you said exactly what the key to this game is, though. It's turnover margin. The team that wins the turnover margin will win this football game. It's going to be close. It's going to be low scoring. There's going to be one big play and one turnover in the second half to decide this game. I'm on the side that I think Alabama is going to be the team on uh, both sides of that where they get the turnover and they get the big play and ultimately get a three-to-five-point victory.
0: See, I got as the opposite. I got the A&M Aggies making the big play, but Bama getting the big turnover.
1: Yeah, which is probably going to prove more more crucial coming down the stretch.
0: Exactly. I'm feeling like a Max Johnson final drive of the game, one minute left, pick six, <laughs> pick six to what
1: put Bama up by ten or put, uh, put yeah them-
0: to seal it. They're probably like down three in that scenario. They're just trying to get into field goal range. Max Johnson's yeah. probably to do a little too much. Um, I
1: see it happen, man. I'm actually picturing it right now. Take him back to the house. It's cool in between <laughs> the bakery, maybe.
0: I love it. All right. Kentucky at Georgia. Speaking of games, I have zero read on Gav. I cannot figure out this game to save my life right now. I have no idea what's going to happen.
1: I'm going to come out and say it. Georgia's in trouble. They are in big trouble in this game. They are lucky this game is in Athens. If If it was at Kentucky, I might have the Wildcats winning this game, and here's why. On paper, this Kentucky team is just incredible across the board. We saw it last week what they want to do. They want to establish the ground game because what does that do? That opens up Devin Leary to take shots down the field. This Kentucky team, to me, looks a lot like this Oregon State team this year, but better. They want to establish the ground game with their stud running back and allow their quarterback to just throw the ball for at least 10 yards through the air every single time. Devin Leary is better than DJ Uyagalile. Damian Martinez might be better than Ray, but that Kentucky O-line is fucking physical as hell. They play SEC football. Let me just show you. I'm going to tell you some stats about this Kentucky team right now. In yards per point, they rank second in the country, only behind Florida State. What that means is they score quickly. In terms of yards per play, they're 7th in the country at 7.2. Yards per rush attempt, number one in the country, 6.8. Yards per pass attempt, uh, what did they say here? A little bit further down, but they're at 40th, so we know their identity. Uh, And then finally, yards per completion, they also sit in 20th. So when they're completing the ball, they're completing for a lot of yards, but we know their identity on offense. They're going to want to run the football on the defensive side of things. Top 15 in the country in opponent yards per points. Top 10 in the country in opponent yards per play. Top six in the country in opponent yards per rush attempt. And through the air, top 20 in the country in opponent yards per pass attempt. And top 10 in opponent yards per completion. Jasper, all that is to say, they are incredibly efficient on both sides of the football. They stop the run, they stop the pass, and they have an offensive identity. If they can establish that ground game early on, this Georgia Bulldogs team is in deep shit. Because from what I've seen from this offense the past two weeks, they are not built to come from behind. They came from behind on a horrible South Carolina defense and Auburn team that doesn't have an identity on offense. And that bleeds into the defense too. Auburn's still rebuilding. Let's not get anything twisted here. They, they're better than South Carolina, but they're, they're not there yet. This Kentucky team is there. They are ready to win right now, and they are ready to go into Athens and make a statement. Do I think Kentucky wins? No, simply because it is so hard to go into Athens and win, no matter how good your team is, and because no matter how physical this Kentucky team is, Georgia is going to win for the line of scrimmage. They have too many big boys up front. They have too much NFL talent. But Kentucky is going to cover this 14-and-a-half-point spread by at least a touchdown.
0: I agree with you entirely. I think this Georgia team, there's too much talent for them to be playing at this level right now. I was looking up the stats today. Every single ranking has them in the mid-tier of defense. This defense needs to step up this weekend, though. They cannot lollygag and sit around and wait for Ray Davis to run for 300 yards on them. They need to get up there. They need to get physical. When they get physical on Ray Davis, that will stop the pass. That will stifle Devin Leary's incredible attack. Defensively, though, they're going to stop Carson Beck. I have no doubt in my mind they are going to stop Carson Beck. This kid is letting me down in every aspect of his game right now. I mean, I expected him to come out there and be an even better talent than Stetson Bennett, but he has proven that he might not even be a game manager at this point. Like... I don't want to talk all this shit about Georgia because I know what kind of team they are and I know who their head coach is is in Kirby Smart. But my, you're right. My brain can't contemplate what would happen to college football if Kentucky won this game. If Kentucky wins this football game, I like I will just have to throw every take I have in the world out the window. This will be any like fuck it Tennessee could come back and win the SEC. I mean at this point. There is just so much going on in the SEC this year that I think, man, if Kentucky wins this game, Texas moves to number one, Georgia probably drops down to five. I think this game is going to be one of the more fun games of the weekend. I don't know how to get a read on it. I think Kentucky could win if they play a perfect game and they just shut this Georgia offense down. But that's not going to happen. Georgia by three.
1: Yeah, Georgia by three sounds about right. College football goes into absolute frenzy mode if Kentucky wins this game. Th- this feels a lot to me like – this This is a bad comparison because Kentucky is nowhere near as good as Texas. But, I mean, Texas Bama early on in the season, you have a team at home. It's like, oh, okay, they're, they're, a touch, they're, they're a touchdown favorite, you know, perennial powerhouse. They'll come in. They'll play physical. They'll do their thing. Don't write off Kentucky. I'm looking at the stats from last week, this Georgia-Auburn game. And again, this is an Auburn defense that's in the process of rebuilding. Carson Beck actually played pretty well. He threw for 313 through the air, uh, was 23 of 33, one pick, one touchdown, 9.5 yards per pass. They only rushed for 107 yards, 3.6 yards per rush. It was not good. And as we said, this Kentucky team stops the rush. So you are absolutely correct. This game is going to come down to Carson Beck. And if he can lead this Georgia offense through the air, because that's how they're going to have to get it done. He's going to be finding number 19 a lot. Brock Bowers is going to have to get involved. And they're going to have to expose the one weakness I see on this Kentucky team, which is their pass defense. Even still, I like Kentucky to keep it close, uh, especially with how efficient they are on both sides of the football.
0: There's also a world where we both get shut the fuck up and Georgia just stomps them, and then we just look like idiots. But we're going to yeah. focus on the world where Kentucky covers this spread and makes this a close game.
1: Hey, It's, it's more it's more fun that way because then we look like geniuses when they win.
0: Exactly, exactly. All right, speaking of another game where, I mean, I just I have no clue. I mean, Notre Dame at Louisville, last game on the slate this week, and, I mean, the Irish are playing a top 25 opponent in the third straight week. Where did where, this come from?
1: Yeah, no one had the Cardinal uh, or the Cardinals, Louisville Cardinals. Yeah. um, In the top 25 through five weeks, I can tell you that much. So Notre Dame gets another potential resume booster that isn't really a resume booster. This Cardinal team, Cardinals, I'm just going to say Louisville. I'm done. I'm done calling by their mascot. This Louisville team is getting it done through the air. On the ground, they're not that efficient. They rank 51st in yards per rush attempt. But they're fifth in the country in yards per pass attempt and they're fifth in the country in yards per completion. Jack Plummer and Jeff Braum have a connection, a QB head coach connection that is hard to find in college football. And that's their identity right now. Air the the football out and score some fucking points. And they're they're, they're not really showing up on defense week in, week out. Uh, They are, let me see here, 32nd in the country in yards per point. And in terms of yards per play, they are 73rd. So the, <laughs> the overrunner in this one is set at 54. This Irish defense is phenomenal. I, I guess Vegas thinks that Louisville is going to be able to throw the football. Especially maybe the home field comes into play here. But I've got the Irish in this one because they're just a the far more complete team. Uh, I don't think this Louisville defense is going to do anything to stop the Irish uh, ground game or passing attack. It's going to come down to, I I, I guess, do the Irish make mistakes, which I don't see it happening.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned the Jeff Brom-Jack Plummer connection, but I'm going to focus on a different connection, and that is Jack Plummer and opposing DBs. This guy loves to throw picks six through five games, especially against this Irish secondary. I think that's going to be big trouble for him. Listen, Louisville's going to throw the ball. They're going to score at least 23 in this game. I just feel like the Irish score 41. That's my final score prediction. That's my prediction for this game. Jack Plummer is going to throw for three hundred yards, but he's also going to throw for three picks.
1: It it seems too simple to just, you know, write off Louisville and say, well, Notre Dame's the better team. Um, especially considering the other games we broke it down this week, like LSU, Missouri, and Kentucky, Georgia, where you have some teams that, you know, you didn't expect to be in this position, but give them the respect. Like you said, I don't think Louisville deserves that respect. They turn the ball over far too much. They don't play defense. They're they're in the top twenty five because they're five and zero, but I, they they haven't done anything to wow me so far. I expect the Irish to come in, make a statement, steamroll, and 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 move on to USC next week.
0: Man, could you imagine what would happen to the Irish if Georgia lost this weekend?
1: To the Irish, I mean they they'd be right back in the hunt for the they'd season. Be
0: right back in the hunt. That would be one of the many implications of Georgia losing this weekend. But I mean,
1: yeah, I'm looking at this. Uh, this the schedule that Louisville's played so far.
0: Cupcake, it's 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 ridiculous. They beat who they beat. They beat Murray State.
1: Yeah, they, they beat football team? They beat Georgia Tech by five. That that's, that's all you need to know. Georgia Tech is not good. Uh, yeah, they killed Murray State. They beat Indiana by a touchdown. I mean, come on now, At NC State by three. They're getting lucky. They're gonna get blood on the water this week. I like Notre Dame by more than a touchdown, like you said.
0: Georgia Tech might upset Miami this weekend, so.
1: Oh, don't 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 count out <laughs> my Hurricanes like that. I love my boy Mario.
0: I love Haynes King though. I mean, I think he's a pretty decent quarterback. But yeah, <laughs> shout out Mario Cristobal. The ACC just gets more ridiculous by the week. I can't wait for these teams to actually start playing each other. It feels like the Irish are just doing a tour on the ACC. Like, <laughs> but we got teased with Florida State, Clemson, but like, oh man, that North Carolina Duke matchup, that Miami. Florida matchup, Florida State matchup. There's just so much great stuff on this schedule that we got.
1: I'm pumped. And the, the ACC, I mean, it's it's a shit show, but, boy, am I excited to see them play each other, like you said. I, it, it's going to be great when they all just beat each other and none of them make the CFP. Yeah.
0: All right, let's jump into the upset watch this weekend, Gav, and I know you got some teams you're looking at. Break it down for me.
1: Yeah, so new segment. That's not really a new segment. Uh, we're taking a look at the top 25 teams that – we did not talk about so far. So teams that are not Oklahoma, Texas, LSU, Missouri, Bama, Kentucky, Georgia, Notre Dame, or Louisville. And I want you to tell me, Jasper, who's on the upset watch. So for context, the teams we're looking at here are Ohio State, Washington State, although Washington State is a three and a half point underdog. So I don't even know if that would be an upset. Uh Florida State, North Carolina. Michigan, Ole Miss, Miami, Oregon State, and USC. Jasper, which one of these teams needs to watch their back?
0: I got a few here, but I'm going to start with Oregon State at Cal. Oregon State coming off a huge win last week. But this Cal defense is not getting the credit deserves. They are holding teams to a low rate in the scoring category. This game is somehow set at 51.5 points. Sorry not to preview my picks, but that's a little ridiculous to me. Man, I think this Oregon State team might be in trouble on the road at Cal. Cal's going to make this a game. I mean, obviously Cal put up Cal put up 32 on Washington, which is, I think is the highest total this Washington's faced. So this Cal offense can get after it. Obviously Oregon State has the best defense in the Pac-12 as of now, but yeah, man, another game I have my eyes on, Ole Miss versus Arkansas, and if there is a game for Sam Pittman to get back in the get out of the hot seat, this is it, being Ole Miss at at home. No. Uh,
1: Ole Miss is at home.
0: Ole Miss is at home. On the road, that would be a huge win. The other game I'm looking at, I got two more for you. UNC at home versus Syracuse. The Syracuse team has been good, obviously. Bad game events, cleansing last week. But this UNC team, they continue to impress me. We'll see what they do. But here's, here's where I get a little nitty-gritty, Gav. OSU at home versus Maryland. I love this matchup for the Terps. I don't know why, but, man. I think OSU might be in trouble a little bit in this game. Obviously, the defense is great. This Maryland offense has been unreal this year. But uh, one of these teams has to lose and break that perfect record, and I don't know who it's going to be just yet. I could totally see OSU starting off slow, Maryland maybe even jumping out to a lead. Who knows? I think anything can happen in this game.
1: <laughs> you uh, you went to the four games that I, I literally – those are the first four that popped out to me too – Uh, Maryland-Ohio State, that line keeps moving towards Ohio State. So, uh, betters apparently think that Ohio State's going to blow them out of the water. I do think Maryland has some of the offensive firepower to keep up with the Buckeyes, at least for the first half. Uh, The game that I really, really agree is going to be close, and I think the underdog surely covers the spread, and I think it's worth sprinkling the money line, is that Arkansas game. They go into Oxford. Ole Miss coming off of a a huge victory uh, against LSU, obviously. Arkansas is getting written off because they're probably going to finish at the bottom of the SEC West, but they still have KJ Jefferson. They can still score points. The defense isn't there, but you get into a shootout with this team and it becomes a dangerous ball game. So I've got Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin down there on upset watch against the Arkansas Razorbacks. I'm going to do a little reverse upset here and go back to that Washington State game I talked about. They are a a three-and-a-half-point underdog against UCLA in the Rose Bowl this week. We saw how this this offense could move the ball through the air. I don't think UCLA has an answer for that. Uh, UCLA will be able to move the ball on the ground against Washington State, but I do think Washington State wins that game, although it's really weird and I need to look at it more before I take a real side there. But my one team that I have on a real upset watch is Ole Miss against Arkansas. I think USC handles Arizona. Oregon State Cal will be a close one, but I love my Beavers. I'm riding the thumb until the end of the season. And, yeah, I, I, I genuinely believe Arkansas can pull off a victory in Oxford this weekend.
0: Yeah, I like that. I like that. Which brings us right over to picks. And, Gav, I'm going to let you kick us off since I took all your picks for uh, the upset watch. <laughs>
1: No, I actually I, I went in different directions because uh, I, I still don't know where I lean on that Washington State game. So I'm going to leave that out of this pick segment. My first pick, though, uh, I hinted at it a lot during our breakdown of the game. I got this Bama AM and under 46 and a half. I expect these teams to play a physical football game. I expect Bama to try to establish the run with mixed success against a very physical uh, Texas A&M run defense. I expect A&M to try to throw the football against Bama to no avail and they're going to be forced to revert to the run game. I got Bama by 3 to 5 points like I said. Maybe looking at a 23-17, 23-20 ball game where we score around 40 points but we don't get to that 46 and a half.
0: I like it. I'm going to stick with the money maker from last week and that is Kentucky plus 14 and a half this team is good man I mean they're gonna get they're gonna give Georgia a run for their money we'll see what happens but there's no way they lose by 14 and a half give me the hook
1: uh that that was exactly where I' was going with pick two so let's just uh let's let's make that a two unit play Kentucky plus 14 and a half they're getting disrespected take the Wildcats this weekend they're gonna keep it close
0: My next pick, and another team that I think is getting disrespected this weekend because Vegas just does not want to believe that Cam Ward is winning the Heisman Trophy, it's Washington State money line. I mean, I think this team is good. UCLA proved to me against Oregon State. or No, it wasn't Oregon State. Utah, that they can be made one-dimensional. This Washington State defensive line is very good. Cam Ward is the truth. He has yet to throw a pick this year. UCLA is not going to force a turnover on this guy. He is going to run it up in Pasadena.
1: I like it, and I love the balls to so just take the money line too, and say fuck the three and a half points, uh, which is 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 a great number if you side with the with the Cougars in this one because you get the full hook on the field goal there. For my third and final pick, again, I alluded to this. I'm going Notre Dame minus six. Uh, I I just I, I, on paper I don't see a universe in which this Louisville team keeps up with the Irish offensively. They turn it over too much. They don't play good enough defense and this Irish team is way too talented for Jeff Braum and company to keep up. Notre Dame, minus six. They'll win by at least seven. I got them by 10 to 14.
0: I love it. I am going to stick with another game we broke down, and that is the Mizzou Tigers plus six. I think they make this game close. I think we are going to see LSU win or the Tigers win by three to two points.
1: Okay. Mizzou plus six and a half. Kentucky for both of us. And you got Washington State money line. I, I, I smell a six and weekend coming, Jasper. I mean, the, these picks just seem a little bit too free. And maybe that's because it seems too good to be true. And we're going to go 0 6 now that I said that. But I, I, I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I think we got a great read in this Kentucky game. Uh, I love the Washington State pick and Mizzou. If that game turns into a shootout, which it will, very likely it becomes a, a less than a touchdown game.
0: I'm gonna get a little greedy here and throw out one more, and that's Oregon State at Cal under fifty-one and a half.
1: Okay, I actually love that pick. When you when you briefly mentioned it during that uh, that little upset watch, I I thought that line would be closer to forty-two. So the fact that I'm getting almost a full of ten points more, uh, I am probably going to add that to my card as well. So we're on the same page here this week. Let's rock and roll. Let's make some fucking money.
0: Let's get seven more wins. I like that. Sounds like a great number. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know why we <laughs> won this weekend. All right, that wraps up college football, though, obviously going to have a huge breakdown coming your way Monday. Let's head over to the NFL, and we don't have a huge slate, but an interesting one nonetheless. couple of great games to look forward to, including the Dallas Cowboys traveling to Santa Clara to take on the 49ers. But before we get into all that, Gav, I know you have a little beef with the NFL scheduling here, and that starts tonight.
1: What the fuck, Roger? What, what's going on with, with Bears commanders on Thursday night? Like, do you want your deal with Amazon Prime to get cut? Because no one's going to watch this goddamn football game. And I, I say that knowing I'll probably tune it on. But it, it's, what, what are we doing? It's, it's unwatchable. Chicago and Washington, we're not giving this game the light of day. We are not breaking this game down. If you want to see CFL-level football, watch Thursday Night Football tonight.
0: I actually can't wait for this game. I think it's going to be so fun. There's just gonna this is going to be such a like classic weird Thursday night football game. Think about like Jags Titans and like the 2010s. Like this is going to be one of those games. Something weird is going to happen, and I can't wait to see it. But we, as you said, we're going to avoid this game. There's nothing really to break down here. I mean, what are we going to do? Talk about Justin Fields throwing for 300 yards for the first time? Nope. <laughs> we're moving on to a AFC South matchup, which is the Titans at the Colts. In Indy, what are we thinking in this one, Gav?
1: Well, I threw it on the agenda because the winner of this game is going to take sole possession of first in the uh, AFC South. Well, not sole possession because the Texans and the Jaguars do both play this weekend, so they can both win their football games too. But one of these teams is going to move to 3-2 and two and be in at least a share of first in the AFC South. And it's it's such a really intriguing matchup to me. Uh, the, the line flipped, it opened at Colts minus one and moves to Titans minus one as of yesterday. I'm looking at it right now and it is actually Titans minus one and a half now. So they're going on the road to Indy. This is interesting to me for a couple of reasons. One, on the Titans side of things, Ryan Tannehill and company are playing some good football right now. They're putting up points on offense, which I don't think anybody expected them to do consistently this year. They're not all that one-dimensional either. They're pretty efficient in the passing game. They're not really turning it over that much. And the defense is playing pretty good too. I mean, holding the Bengals to three points last week. Of course, we've been less than wowed by the Bengals offensively. But you take on Colts' team, which is coming off of a heartbreaking loss to the Rams last week where they came back from 23 down. Uh, And you have a quarterback who is taking good care of the football, man, developing great as a young QB. I think this is about, this is a changing of the guard game right now. This is about a Titans team that has one last shot at the playoffs. I don't think anybody believes they're a Super Bowl contender, but they've surely gotten the playoff run in them versus the Colts who want to prove that they are the future of this division uh, with AR quarterback.
0: Yeah. I'm right there with you. This game is fascinating to me. Derrick Henry looks like he's already getting the like playoff form this earlier in the year already thrown his touchdown pass. But yeah, I mean, this game is going to be about Tennessee trying to stop the run and the Colts trying to run the football and I mean, I think Anthony Richardson really matures as a passer in this game. I think we're going to really see him if he can move the ball down the field through the air and I think he does. I'm leaning the Colts in this one, um especially if the roof is open at Lucas Oil. That ball's going to get a little more juice to it, but we'll see.
1: I'm trying to decide where I lean also and I'll probably I probably won't know until the weekend, but the Colts being at home definitely serves as a um, a huge added boost for them. These teams are pretty even on paper, so the fact that you got uh, Tennessee as a favorite on the road makes me lean Indianapolis as well. We're going to have to see come the weekend, but I do expect another great game for AR, especially against the Titans secondary, which is less than
0: stellar. Yeah, I mean, if Ursay, as I said, if Ursay opens up the roof, I am hammering the Colts.
1: <laughs> Let's do it, Jim. Open that bitch up.
0: Yep. Yep. All right. Jumping over to another intriguing matchup, and that happens to be in the AFC North. With the Steelers welcoming the Ravens to Heinz Field. And Gav, don't tell me you're buying the Steelers in this one. I know you are. I just I know you're buying the Steelers in this game. I, I can't
1: give up on them just yet. I can't do it.
0: I hate that I'm buying the Steelers in this game, but I know this feels like a spot where the Ravens lose.
1: Yeah, I I just I can't give up on Pittsburgh just yet, man. They're sitting here somehow miraculously at two and two with an offense that is is downright horrible, man. Matt Canada's got to go. Pittsburgh is twenty sixth in the league in yards per point. They are twenty seventh in yards per play. They are twenty fifth in yards per rush attempt. They are twenty fifth in yards per pass attempt. And they are 22nd yards per completion. All to say, they fucking suck on offense. They are terrible. But I like them this weekend. And here's why. If they win this game, they take sole possession of first in the AFC North. How is that fucking possible, man? How is that possible? This is a Ravens team that showed some vulnerability uh, against the Colts two weeks ago at home. And that was because the Colts didn't turn the ball over, and the Ravens did. This game is going to come down to turnover margin, and can Pittsburgh hold on to the football? I I don't know if they're going to get anything going against this Ravens defense, uh, especially considering how bad Pittsburgh is on offense and how how decent Baltimore is on defense. Uh, Better than decent, they're actually first in the NFL. And opponent yards per play. Up there with Cleveland at 3.8 yards uh, per play. Against the rush, 3.8 per attempt. Uh, Against the pass, 4.1 per pass attempt. And 6.7 per completion. All to say, this defense is balling. Pittsburgh doesn't have an offense. All signs point to Baltimore to fucking blow them out of the water. But for some reason, I just can't give up on the Steelers team. Come on, Kenny. Prove me right. Please do it for me, Kenny. One time.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is the big test for Todd Monk in this new offense. Did you know last week was the first time Lamar Jackson's ever thrown for two touchdowns and rushed for two touchdowns?
1: What? That baffles me.
0: Nope, it's the first time ever. So this offense is clearly new, but as we said, like the defense has to step up in this one for the Ravens to win this game. Obviously, being on the road, it is never easy to go into Pittsburgh and win a game, no matter what year it is, no matter who's playing quarterback. But can he come with this knee injury? I know he got the MRI and they say everything's okay, but I think a less mobile Kenny Pickett is a recipe for INTs.
1: <laughs> and if he starts if he starts throwing them, it, it, it's game over. Uh, I, I'm only holding on to this glimmer of hope that Pittsburgh can somehow win this game because, as you said, they are at home. It's still the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's still Mike Tomlin. But I think the jury's out on Matt Canada, man. He's bad. Uh, he does not know how to run this offense. Kenny is, I, I've always, I've never said he's great. I always say he's average and just needs a run game to get going. But without a run game, he is a below average quarterback. It's, it's just so hard to pass up Pittsburgh getting four points at home in a divisional matchup. They usually bode well in those in those scenarios. And again, if they win this game somehow, they are in first place in that fucking division. How wild is that? Oh, I hate that I'm leaning Pittsburgh, but I am. It's it's going to be an interesting game. And quite quite honestly, I hope the Ravens come out and just blow them the fuck out of the water, so I can stop talking about Pittsburgh, leave them off the agenda for all of eternity here going forward, and uh, stop stop having to say the two the two names, Kenny Pickett.
0: Do we got a a no bet list watch this weekend with Pittsburgh?
1: <laughs> well, I don't even know if I'm going to bet on them because I, I can't bring myself to back Matt, Matt Canada right now. But if I do, and if Pittsburgh doesn't cover that spread, they are certainly on on the no-bet
0: list. 100%. All right. Wrapping up, I don't even want to talk about the AFC North anymore. I'm so sick of talking about this division. So we're going to come <laughs> over to Cowboys at Niners. And I know, Gab, we said two to three weeks before we make predictions, but it feels like we're going to figure out what the best team in the, in the NFC is this weekend after Sunday night.
1: Even if the Niners come out and don't play their A-ball, I still think they're the best team. Uh, On paper, their roster, it's not particularly close. Uh, Even like with the Kansas City Chiefs, they got the best roster on paper. Uh, I guess you can say the Bills are up there with them, but you know how I feel about Josh Allen, so we're not even going to go down that road this week. This game, this is a proved game for the Cowboys. The Niners have absolutely nothing to prove in this game. We know the Niners are, I mean... Barring some incredible run by my Seahawks, the Niners are going to win the NFC West. Brock Purdy is the answer at quarterback. I don't think there's any question about that anymore. And this defense is top five in the league in just about every category. They are incredible. They have nothing to prove. Like No NFL team is going to go 16-0. They're going to lose a game. If they lose this game, so be it. I I really couldn't care less. This is all about how the Cowboys are going to look in this game. Can their defense continue to show up and slow down this loaded San Francisco offense? What is San Francisco going to try and do offensively in this game? It's not really a question. They're going to try and run the football. We know how good this Cowboys secondary is against the pass. Even without Trayvon Diggs, they are phenomenal. The Niners are going to look to establish Christian McCaffrey early. And to me, it is about how this Cowboys defense responds early in the game. Because if they get down to a one to two touchdown disadvantage early on, I don't know if I have trust in Dak Prescott just yet to lead that charge in San Francisco against his Niners defense. Offensively, can the Cowboys offense move the ball on this Niners defense? That's another question I have. I'm not sure if Dak's ready to make that leap quite yet but this is the week where he shows it to me. I think everyone agrees the Niners are better on paper and through the eye test so far this season, but this game means so much more to Dallas than it does to San Francisco. San Francisco knows their identity. The Cowboys are trying to prove to themselves that they are legit this year and they can really contend with the big dogs in that conference and in in the league. They want to contend for a Super Bowl this year.
0: Man, that was that's some serious analysis, Gav. I don't know if I have much else to say, but you're right. Can Dak protect the football? He's got to do everything he can in this game to move the ball down the field against this defense. Whether that means hand it off to Tony Pollard, maybe run a little RPO, who knows? We'll see. I'm almost scared for Dak to come out and play timid in this one and try to hold on to the ball too much. And then if you hold on to the ball for too long, we all know what's going to happen. This Niners D-line is going to get after him. On the Niners side of things – this is their true first test of the year. I mean, I can you even make that case? They they, have, they haven't they have played anyone, but they've looked phenomenal in every game they've played. Purdy looks by far like the right option at QB. Unreal for them. I think the game plan for the 49ers is simple. Shut down the Cowboys on offense and let C-Mac do his thing. This is a game where it feels like Dallas is going to really feel the loss of Trayvon Diggs, especially because, I mean, just that loss to the secondary is tough. Obviously, they've played Mac Jones since he's gone down. They haven't faced a true quarterback. I'll lean Niners, but honestly, I'm just rooting for good football in this one. I'm rooting for the renewal of the Cowboy-Niner rivalry, and I think that comes with the Cowboys put a dent in the Niners this game.
1: I really hope so, because we know how I feel about this Cowboys team, how I felt about them preseason, and I, I believe my exact words were their season comes down to how far Dak Prescott can take them. Everything else is there. Defensively, again, even without Trayvon Diggs, I still love him. Uh, the offensive weapons are there. Th- this game means everything to them. And you mentioned the Niners. They haven't played anybody. That's true. But we 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 know what this team's all about. I'm hoping for good football as well. If the Niners get out to an early lead and a big one at that, let's say they get out to a 14-0 lead, th- th- this game's over. This Cowboys team is not built to come from behind yet on a 49ers defense that is incredibly loaded. And if they do, you're going to hear me come Tuesday morning or whenever we post our uh, our recap, just absolutely gushing over this Cowboys team. I want to see some good football. It, it, it comes down to well, what the Cowboys are made of, what they can prove for themselves this week. This is all about Dallas.
0: 100%, man. I mean, as I said, I'm excited for some good football. Unfortunately, the following day, we have some really bad football because the Packers are traveling to Las Vegas and Allegiant Stadium. Monday night, we got the Raiders. I mean, what are we doing in primetime, man? This is so dumb. Do you really think anyone in America wants to watch this dumpster fire implode further on national television? Because I sure as hell don't. But that being said, the Raiders have three winnable games coming up with the Packers on Monday, the Patriots, and then the Bears, which... I feel like we at least know we're better than the Bears because they lost to the Broncos and we beat the Broncos. So by proxy, we are the better team. Uh, I hope. The bottom line is Josh McDaniels has to win these next three games or else he's out of here. Willie, dude, I sure as hell hope he doesn't because I want Drake May in a Raiders jersey and the path to that does not involve us winning many games this year. My prediction hackers by a bunch of by at least seven, and then we see a bunch of cryptic tweets from Josh Jacobs and Devontae Adams right afterward.
1: <laughs> oh my god. I, I love hearing you talk Raiders football. And the the day that the the day the Raiders are back, Jasper, I, I cannot wait to to hear what you guys to say about it because I mean right now you're just you you know what to expect from your team. Um again, Roger, the fuck are we doing? Putting Vegas in primetime, man. Like they suck. <laughs> you guys, you guys no. are horrible. Josh McDaniels is not a good head football coach. Uh, Jamie G is not the answer at quarterback. Th- this game is going to be sloppy. I expect Green Bay to win. Vegas doesn't. Ve- Vegas has this game at a one point spread right now in Green Bay's favor, albeit. Yeah, I don't know that I have a whole lot to break down in this game. I, I said it last week or during our during our recap with the Packers Lions game. Green Bay is not a team that's built to win from behind. But if there's a game they could do it in, it's this game. So even if the Raiders get out to an early lead, I still expect Green Bay to hang around and be in it. Uh, But from an analysis perspective, this is Jordan Love's get-right game. He needs to bounce back after a poor showing against Detroit. Uh, He was forced to throw the football early in that one. The offense became one-dimensional. And Detroit was far more physical than Green Bay was. Uh, I need to see the Packers come out out physical, the Raiders in this one on the road. I need to see Jordan Love take good care of the football. And I need to see this Packers defense show back up uh because they were non existent last Thursday. I like Green Bay in this one, but I probably need to look at the numbers just a little bit more before I solidify that. Uh I just think it's 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 a get right game and I'm just not buying Vegas one bit right
0: now. Oh, neither am I. If there was ever a game for Jordan Love to really, like, show us that he can take advantage of a bad secondary, this is it. We suck in the secondary. We always have. Five years, like, I think, I like, actually, no, it's probably been a decade since we've had a good cornerback. It's crazy. But, yeah, I mean, there's nothing much else for me to say here. I hope Josh McDaniels was it. It's such a weird thing because, like, usually when I'm when I watch the Raiders, right, it's a – it's this mixed emotion of, oh my god, we're gonna win, and then holy fuck, we just lost. Now it's just <laughs> we suck. It's like baseline. It's it's horrible. Like I have to admit it, last week I fell asleep watching the game. I fell asleep <laughs> mid afternoon watching the game. Granted, I I was pretty hungover, but I fell asleep watching the game. Embarrassing, not great. I missed Trayvon Merrick's interception, which was brutal because he seems to be the one bright spot on our defense. But yeah, I mean, what are we gonna do, Gavin? Like, I mean, you saw the—I know you saw the video of Mark Davis saying you don't know what you're talking about to the Raiders fans, saying fire Josh McDaniels. Like, are we are we priced in with Josh? Are we gonna have to put in all the chips? I, I think you need
1: to do exactly what you said you need to do, and that is almost purposely lose football games. You need to just load up on picks and uh, hope that you can you can have better drafts than you've
0: had in the past. We got to trade Devontae. As much as I hate to say it, like, we tra- he came here to play with Derek Carr, man. And, I mean, Derek Carr is not here anymore. He's unhappy. You can see it in his in just the way he talks about this team. And why did we ever get rid of Rich Bisacci? Why did we get Josh McDaniels on this team? He's such a bad head coach. All right, I got to stop. I got to stop.
1: Yeah, every time the, the name Josh McDaniels come out, comes out of your mouth, like I can see your mood just get damper and damper and damper. But like that. Nice. <laughs> um, so that's all the uh, that's all the games we're going to really break down. Again, it's a weird week with a couple of cool divisional matchups, but then some games that are just downright interesting. And that's the next direction we're going to go in, Jasper. For another new segment that's not really a new segment, but more of just a uh, – a discussion, I'm going to ask you which matchup is more intriguing, and I want you to tell me why. I'm going to start you off with a couple dumpster fires of games, and then we'll get better from there. So which which matchup is more intriguing, Jasper, the New York Jets in Denver or the Cincinnati Bengals in Arizona, and why?
0: It's got to be the Cincinnati Bengals in Arizona. I mean, Joe Burrow came out and said this is a must win. Like – Listen, looking at this schedule before like the season, if you had Cincinnati versus Arizona as a game to watch as a Bengals fan on your schedule, I'd be so depressed. And that's where we're at with this team. I mean, they have to win this game. There's no way around it. They drop to one and four. This season is over. And I mean, Zach Taylor, hot seat.
1: Yeah, probably. Uh, I-, I tend to agree. It's, crazy to think as you said that you know preseason you tell a Bengals fan this is a must win game for them they would have laughed in your face so yeah crazy they were sitting in the spot I do agree it's more intriguing for that reason and (laughs) I'm still intrigued by this this Jets Broncos game because those are probably my two favorite quarterbacks in the league right now Uh, not favorite but just fun to talk about fun to watch I mean you got Russ who I'm I'm always gonna love Russ for bringing my Seahawks a Super Bowl and for just doing great things during his tenure in Seattle. But he is an absolute clown. I don't know who's letting him cook over there in Denver, but they need to stop that right now. And then Zach Wilson, can he continue to look like Joe Namath? I mean, that was that was pretty incredible last week. So we'll see what happens there. But we'll move on from the dumpster fires and into games that are – Wait, before we move
0: on from Russ, though, do you stop. see all the reports this week? I I, I don't think I have. Oh man, it was worse than you thought in Seattle, and that's why he got traded. He literally walked, he walked up to ownership and he asked them to fire Pete Carroll and Schneider. And I, you probably already knew this, but it got confirmed this week. That's yeah, why. I
1: mean, there was always that rumor wanted Pete gone, and, and you know clearly uh, Pete wasn't the problem. So don't know don't know what Russ is doing. I'm still always gonna love him. Again, he brought my team to Super Bowl, but uh, I'm glad this is all coming to light now and not. When he was in the peak of his career, because it would have been tough to uh to endure that as a Seahawks fan. So you
0: also got to watch this uh, Marshawn Lynch interview with Shannon Sharp. That's where it kind of broke the news.
1: Okay,
0: he, does, he never had Russell Wilson's phone number. Marshawn didn't. They they were. He was just a quarter He said he's just a quarterback to me. He blocked my number. Russ Damn. had Marshawn Lynch's number blocked. It's crazy, man. Like this guy is just <laughs> such a weirdo of a personality.
1: I got I to gotta keep myself up to date then. That's uh, that's interesting and honestly causing me to maybe reevaluate my stance on the feller. But we move. He's in a different place now doing doing Russ things. Going to move on to a couple of matchups that I expect to be good games. Similar point spreads. One is currently four and a half. The other one is five. Jasper, which matchup is more intriguing? The Philadelphia Eagles on the road taking on the Los Angeles Rams? or the Jacksonville Jaguars on the road taking on, not not on the road, the Jacksonville Jaguars taking on the Buffalo Bills in London this weekend?
0: Why do I feel like the Jags are going to win that game? That's all I got to say. Like That game is way more intriguing to me than this Eagles-Rams game. Um, yeah, I mean, the Bills, if there was ever a trap game for them, this is it. I mean, you're coming off the biggest win of the season last week against the Dolphins. You're traveling to London off – Like, you have to adjust to, like, the time now, too. Jaguars have been there a week. They're adjusted. They're ready to go. They have their sea legs under them in London. I feel like the Jags can easily upset the Bills here. Are they going to do it? I sure as hell hope not, because then I have to talk about Josh Allen being a bad quarterback again, and I hate doing that. But, yeah, we'll see what happens, man. I mean, I feel like both these games are upset spots for these teams. And, I mean – We'll see what happens, but I'm leaning the Jags to make a little bit, a bit of a statement here, get themselves back in the national media for the right reasons.
1: I, I like the take. I am going to pretty much flip-flop what you just said, though. Uh, I, I do think that matchup in London is intriguing for the fact that uh, – you're right. Jacksonville being there for a week is going to play a huge factor. Uh, they're, they're already acclimated to the time there. They're already acclimated to the environment and Buffalo heading over there to play for the first time this season, uh, it's going to be an adjustment for them. Jacksonville wins that game if and only if Josh Allen comes out and proves me right that he cannot take care of the football. However, if Buffalo holds on to the football, they win that game by 10 points. That defense is phenomenal, and I don't think the Jags offense starts to click this week. I'm going to go with Philadelphia at L.A. as a more intriguing matchup because – I've got this as the first loss for the Eagles this season. And here's why. This Rams defense is better than people give them credit for. Uh, coming into the season, we didn't think they would be that good. They're playing great, especially against the pass. And Aaron Donald's got the boys up front and playing some decent physical football. Philadelphia is going to struggle to move the ball consistently in SoFi On the offensive side of things, for the Rams... They get Cooper Cup back. they get Cooper Cup back this week, which is huge. Obviously, we've been seeing the emergence of Puka Nakua, uh, the Rams offense moving the ball beautifully uh in Cooper Cup's absence. It's only gonna get better. Uh anybody that tells you a Cooper Cup coming back is gonna negate Puka Nakua, don't listen to him. And here's why. Nakua isn't playing the Cooper Cup role, he's playing the Robert Woods role. And this is a team that when Robert Woods and Cooper Cup were balling with Jared Goff at quarterback, this offense couldn't be stopped. Now you've got an upgrade with Matthew Stafford, quarterback, who's taking great care of the football right now. Getting his number one target back with a guy who has been nothing short of incredibly reliable and in Puka as number two. Don't forget about Tutu Atwell as a deep ball threat. This Rams offense is dynamic. It's explosive. And they're going to give the Eagles all they can handle this week. I like the Rams to win this game in Los Angeles. That's the more intriguing one for me. But I hope the Jags fucking beat Buffalo because I hate Josh Allen. Going to move on to the third and final uh, question, dilemma, I have for you on which match is more intriguing. Going to take a look at Houston on the road at Atlanta. Or New Orleans on the road in New England? Both spreads less than two points.
0: I'm going to go Texans on the road in Atlanta because I think the Patriots handle business against the Saints. That being said, though, I am falling for the trap Vegas is setting here. I am taking Texans plus two. I'm going to preview. I hate to get in my picks early, but I love the Texans in this game. Desmond Ritter cannot throw the football. He's coming off. A week, we just talked about the Jags being in London for a week. They're coming off a week where they were just in London. They are going to need some rest. I love the Texans in this game. I think they will dominate the Atlanta Falcons. They cannot get anything in the passing game. Like, obviously, yeah, Deshaun Robinson, Tyler Algier, great running backs, but they cannot move the ball through the air. Desmond Ritter is starting to become an interception machine. The only reason they were able to win early in the season is because Desmond Ritter protected the football. That is no longer happening. Give me D'Amico Ryans and the Houston Texans to improve to 3-2 and and move themselves further into advantage spots in the AFC South.
1: I like that as the more intriguing matchup as well because it has more divisional and playoff implications than the other game does. Uh, The other game, of course, being New England taking on the Saints at home. New England also just lost Christian Gonzalez for the season. They also lost Matthew Judon, for an extended period of time. That team is banged the fuck up.
0: But who did expect- they pick up? Oh,
1: they, they, they picked up J.C. Jackson. I saw that. Kind of wild. Yeah. So Chargers moving off from J.C. Uh, he's back in a Patriots jersey. I expect that game to be just incredibly sloppy. And honestly not that fun to watch. On the flip side. I expect the Texans-Falcons game to be incredibly fun to watch. You have a Texans team that. Uh, they're hitting their stride and they're hitting it at the right time. CJ Stroud looks like the guy. Uh, I think he is the best QB coming out of this draft. And it's not particularly close. Well, I guess you could make a case for AR, but I have got CJ right now. He's absolutely balling. Got this Texans offense in the top half of the league in most categories. Here's my problem with the Texans this week uh, as... In terms of winning this game, again, very intriguing matchup. Atlanta, as you said, Desmond Ritter's not the guy. Uh, He's going to turn the ball over. Uh, They're going to need to rely on the run game if they want any shot at winning this football game. Where Houston gets it done is through the air. They are really good, really efficient through the air. Number three in yards per pass attempt and number three in yards per completion in the league this season. They are 30th in yards per rush attempt. What does Atlanta do very well? They defend the pass very well. They're not that great against the run, but they are top six in the league in both yards per completion given up and yards per attempt given up. Houston's going to struggle to go in there and throw the football, which is their identity right now which is why this matchup is incredibly intriguing and why I think it is going to be a battle of the defenses as to who ultimately comes out on top.
0: Yeah, I like it. I mean, I'm going to ride with CJ Stroud just because I am starting him in fantasy this weekend. So, <laughs> but yeah, I'm falling for this. I'm falling for this plus two trap. Uh, I think it, yeah, I think I could easily lose that one. We'll see though. I'm intrigued. We'll see. It's it's, it's definitely a sharp line. Vegas has a great read on it. Um, and we'll see.
1: It's just Atlanta matches up really well with what Houston wants to do offensively.
0: Yep. We'll see how it goes, which brings us to picks. And since I already gave away Texans plus two, Gavin, let you jump in with your first one.
1: I'll stay in that same game and I will take uh, the under in that one. It's currently sitting at 41 points. So that's my pick under 41 uh, for reasons just, j- just stated. Now uh, Houston is going to want to pass the ball. Atlanta is very good against the pass. Uh, Atlanta, the offense struggles to move it, uh, especially through the air, and on the ground. Houston's run defense is it's fine. I mean, they're they're bottom half of the league in yards per rush attempt, but they'll hold up just just good enough to where Atlanta doesn't score a lot of points. I got Houston Atlanta under forty one.
0: I like it. I like it, and I'm gonna jump to a game that I didn't break down because I wanted to give it as a pick. And that is, I said earlier in the week, see a weird line, take a weird line. And that is Rams plus four and a half for all of the reasons Gav just gave out. I love this Rams team in this game. I love the Eagles to get their first loss of the year. But since I am still down in the NFL all the time, I am taking the points, not the money line.
1: <laughs> I like it. Also, for the listeners at home, uh, it's probably good to go over our records. So flashing back quickly to college football collectively we are 21 13 and one just great on the year i am 12 and 5 jasper is 9 8 and 1 and in the nfl we are 12 and 12 on the year down a couple of units i am 8 and 4
0: jasper is 4 and 8 but coming up for winning week nice to be back at 500 all time
1: we're we're gonna continue to improve um rams plus four and a half is actually where i wanted to go also next but I am going to go elsewhere because we've already doubled up on Kentucky in the college football slate. So I know I just shat on them for having their entire defense go down, but uh, I like Patriots money line in this one. It's always tough to go into Foxborough and win, which is what the Saints are tasked with doing. You've got two teams that are not that great offensively, have decent defenses. The Patriots coming off an embarrassment down there in Dallas. I expect a big bounce-back week from them. Give me New England at home. Uh, That's pretty much the only rationale. It's tough to bet against Bill Belichick at home, uh, even with how they've been looking recently. I like the Patriots to win against the Saints team that
0: I'm just not sold on. I love it. All right, I'm rounding out my picks with that Broncos-Jets game, and I'm taking the over at 43-and-a-half. I think this game could be about points.
1: Yeah, it's uh it, it can certainly be about points. It could certainly be it can certainly be about uh you know, which key be placed slightly less worse. Uh we'll we'll see what ends up happening there. It's it's always good betting overs against that Broncos defense, which uh is non-existent most of the time. So yeah, especially the Jets coming off of a, uh, like I said, a great game where Zach Wilson showed out, showed up. Oh my God, I'm looking at this. Uh, I'm looking at DraftKings right now, and this Titans line keeps moving. It's now Colts plus two at home. What the mm. fuck is going on? For my third and final pick, I'm going to have to hit an audible here because I don't, don't want to give out Rams plus four and a half twice now, although I do love that pick. Uh, I'm going to be forced to stay in the money line ballpark and go Packers' money line. Uh, they let me down last week. I gave out Packers' money line as a pick. Against Detroit, um, going back to the well this week, if they lose, there's a very real chance they go on my no-bet list, but for reasons already stated, uh, they're the better team on paper, and as long as they're not playing from behind two touchdowns the entire game, they should win. They should be more physical. Jordan Love should get right, and I expect the Raiders to continue to be dysfunctional. So my three picks, Packers, Patriots, both in the money line, with Texans, Falcons under 41 being the play of the week.
0: I like it. I like it. All right, well, that wraps up our show for this week. We will see you all Monday to break down what should be another interesting weekend of football.